Today's episode is a road trip episode to some degree. It's about the road trip. It's about what was going on. And I recorded this over three or four days back at our apartment in Kansas City. Now, I did want to preface a couple things here. Number one is that this has some negativity in it. We were pretty sick, my wife and I, um, with um, a series of viruses or one big virus we don't really know. If this might be triggering for you, please feel free to skip this episode if that's going to be an issue. I also wanted to say that my wife and I are back home and are starting to feel better. I'm getting much more positive now, so things are looking better, so please don't think this is how things are for us now. We still have a cough, still have some fatigue. It's a very slow recovery, but we are improving, we are back home, and life is starting to look a little bit nicer. In fact, I'm sitting here next to Panama. Panama is a yellow lab. She's a sweetheart. We have her for a couple of days. Then after that, we get Molly for a few days. And then we get, um, oh, what's the different names of them? Then we get, see, wow, that's my brain. But at, I think three more dogs over the next month or so. <laughs> my wife has scheduled us for many dog-sitting adventures after we got back in town here with a lot of our neighbor's dogs. And I think it might be her way of subtly telling me it's time for us to get a new dog. So I think we might be doing that here come October or November, and I'm looking forward to that. But that's just also to say that we are starting to do better. Life's starting to look a little brighter again. And this was just kind of a woe is me episode. But I'm keeping it and I'm sharing it with you because I do think it is important on this podcast. And it's, in fact, it's an essential part of this podcast that I share my struggles with you also. Not just the positivity that I have most of the time now, not just the successes that I've had lately, which I've had plenty of those with my um, bind and benzodiazepine withdrawal over time, but also some of the struggles I still have to let you know that I, I do get it. I've been there in acute withdrawal. I'm still there to some degree, and I still have difficult days, difficult weeks, difficult months. So anyway, I hope today's episode is effective, um, connects with you, and, and helps you feel a little less alone in your journey. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z-drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. This is D and welcome to, welcome to, let's try that again. <coughs> Hello there, this is D and welcome to episode 102 of the Benzo Free Podcast. How y'all doing? Uh, um, I've been better, a lot going on, still pretty sick, um, dealing with a bunch of stuff and 
Oh, it's a long story. <laughs> you might be able to tell from my voice that I'm still not quite with it. Plus, I'll, I apologize for any interruptions of coughing um, during this. I've been dealing with that for some time. Today's episode is we're going to focus on... Uh, it's going to be another one of our um, road trips. We haven't done one of these in a long time, so... It's a road trip no longer from the road, so, but kind of. I mean, I'm in Kansas City now at our apartment. This is a place that we picked up a while back while I was caring for my folks out here in KC. Um, we have it for another week or two, and then we move out of this and go back to our home in, in Colorado. We had taken some time off for vacation, my wife and I did, and left, I think, around the 19th of May both working and vacation, a mixture of stuff. And as we were getting ready to leave, my wife started getting a cold, um, but she wasn't feeling 100%. But we went ahead and we went down to Oklahoma City to visit our, our niece um, and her, her husband and had a great time. Um, spent a night here at our apartment, and then we went on a what was going to be a vacation of the upper Midwest for Michigan and Wisconsin and um, Illinois and other areas around there. Um, sorry. Uh, I'll try to edit some of those out, but some I may leave in because that's how I'm feeling. Um, anyway, by the time we got cut into Illinois, we did a couple of things, got up, and after a couple of days in Illinois, I started getting sick too. Shanna started getting sicker. We finally got up to near Chicago and stayed in a hotel there for I think three or four nights um, and barely left the hotel. We were both so sick. And this is, we've tested periodically for COVID. We think it's an upper respiratory virus that's been going around. But it's it's much more severe than any cold we've ever had. It came with a, I had a fever over 100 degrees a couple of times. Um, my wife did too. It's a lot of drainage, a lot deep cough, bronchial cough, and just not rebounding from this thing very well. Anyway, we started to feel a little better and tried to recoup part of our vacation. We lost at least a whole, anyway, we were going to be traveling around vacation and work for a couple of weeks. Got no work done, got no vacation done. Finally went up and did a few things in Wisconsin as we were feeling better and were able to go to the the wedding of my um, my cousin, my second cousin. I think, I think, I don't know that terminology very well, but my cousin's son, whatever that is. Um, and that was really good. We had talked to our doctors on the phone, and they said that we shouldn't be contagious anymore from whatever we were dealing with. But So we did that, um, and then came home. Along the way, too, I did record some benzo chats, which I'd never done that in person. I recorded one in Oklahoma City and one in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, before we got back. And so I'll tell you more about those later, but those will be coming up in a future episode so i look forward to sharing those conversations and benzo chats is just a term i'm giving when i talk one-on-one from with you the listeners who are going through this and i stop by and and we just have a conversation anyway we got home we got back to the apartment here a week ago i guess or maybe last yeah a week ago monday or something and um my the respiratory infection decided to get worse, uh, a lot worse. And so I've been on the sofa for the last three or four days now. 
um, zero energy, zero, very little ability to um, get enough oxygen to keep going, um, fever off and on. Uh, so we've gone to the doctor, and both my wife and I have done that. Um, here we went to a, an urgent care clinic, and um, both got checked out. Both wound up getting prescribed, of course, an antibiotic because they're afraid that this virus may have turned into a bronch bronchial infection. I was diagnosed with bronch bronchitis, so um, although they don't really know for sure what's going on. And so last night, um, even though I am very reluctant to take antibiotics, as you all know, because of um, my bind, of course, bind meaning protracted benzo withdrawal, um, I went ahead and took my first dose of amoxicillin last night. And I thought, you know, while I didn't, I wasn't feeling up to recording anything on the road per se for a road trip because we would have been so miserable for a while. Um, I'm actually thinking now might be a good time because I, I got things to talk about, and I think this is something we can discuss here. We can talk about a little bit of road trip stuff, but also just things I've done and things I, did, I didn't do smartly, things I wasn't very wise in. And I think there's a lot to learn from. I just think I, I can learn a lot from myself, and I'm hoping some of you can learn from the mistakes I've made. So today's episode, I'm just going to talk through kind of what we've been through. I gave you a little rundown of the history of what's been going on, but what led to this, and I don't know when, or if, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it will end at some point, but, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not sure when that's going to happen, so, but I wanted to, I try to be semi-productive while I'm here laying around. I've been trying to work as much as I can, but I've had very little time to work because the head pressure and the vertigo, um, dizziness that kicks in makes it very difficult to be on my computer and work. Um, I've tried to lay down and do it, but that's not very effective. Um, so I've been out of commission for a while. And I'm wondering if that's okay. And I think that's part of this whole thing. See, most of you know that my history over this past couple of years was pretty insane, I guess, to some degree. I know everybody out there is insanely busy, and I'm not saying I'm busier <coughs> than anybody else, but um, it was crazy. I, I, I did 16 trips eventually between Kansas City and Denver. Um, nine hours each way, driving back and forth to take care of my parents, in and out of facilities, uh, dealing with the VA and Medicare and Medicaid and lawyers and estate and selling their house. And I just never had one minute of time really to myself or break. It was just a lot, along with my job of working with the Benzo Action Work Group as co-chair and, and, of course, my, my Benzo Free podcast and Easing Anxiety. But did the best I could and got through it halfway decent. Uh, my folks passed away, and my mom in November, and my dad in February of this year. And um, I didn't really grieve much, and I do wonder if that's part of it. Um, came back to 
four simultaneous projects for the Benzodiazepine Action Work Group that were on my plate, and I just couldn't slow down. Had to keep going with these, um, just a lot of stuff going on. And, and, and that in addition to some papers that I was an, an author on, and a couple of those have come out now, and just working with those teams and trying to... Um, I just spread myself too thin. And I, I remember something in my past where my body would finally tell me when enough is enough. And I think I'm there. I think I need to reprioritize a few things. I think I need to cut back on all the things I'm doing. And I mean, all this stuff has been great progress. We've been making these papers and the, this peer um, support training thing for benzos. And we did, we, did, we did a training program for CME, which is um, continuing medical education for doctors. And just so many things going on that have been great. But I just took on way too much. And that was totally me. Nobody did that to me. It was me. But there were so many things happening at once, and I wanted to be part of all of it. And I just took on too much. I never had a chance to come down from that year of taking care of my parents, a year and a half. And I never really had a chance to grieve. <coughs> I think when our vacation, I kept working around the clock before our vacation, thinking, oh, I just got to get this done, I got to get this done, I got to get this done. And then finally on the vacation, we can relax and enjoy and catch up on I think there were other plans in place. My theory is this. I just ran myself down. I ran myself ragged. I had no immunity when this came along. And it took me hard. It just took me down. And I think it's a reminder. A reminder. And that's one of the things I want to talk about today. It's a reminder to take care of ourselves and you can't keep oh this is the thing i wish i was better at but we can't keep saying oh i i will i will later we can't keep pushing back self-care we can't hey you know in six months when i finish this project or in a few months when i'm done with this the thing is is your body eventually is going to say enough as mine has done here So bringing all that to a um, lot of lack of sleep, insomnia, I've been coughing every night now for almost two weeks. That doesn't create um, a lot of sleep. I've been trying to take some over-the-counter stuff to suppress the cough, but they're not really working anymore, and they also can make things more complicated, as many of you know. And uh, so I'm just kind of shutting down is what I'm doing. I just need to prioritize and limit how many things I take on. You know, figure out those top three or four that are important to me. And I think we all have to do that sometimes. It's really important to, to figure out what in life is important. I, I go through this and I realize, you know, number one is my relationship here at home with my wife. That's number one, is our health and our relationship. One and two, right there. And those need to come first. And they rarely do. And I don't want to keep living like that. I want to make sure that 
my wife and our health are the first two things that we that we focus on and that's not been the case a lot of caretaking a lot of stress especially and um and that's not healthy in the long run and with benzo withdrawal stress is like the worst ongoing foe to us fully recovering because we can get really stressed and those waves come back and we get symptoms and i've been doing that off and on the last year or two with my with all this stress that's been going on so it's a bit crazy so if anything this episode i'm hoping is a reminder to everyone to say self-care needs to be a top priority I know that's hard to do, especially like single parents or double parents or parents with jobs and um, people taking care of elderly people, you know, working multiple jobs, people. I mean, I'm not saying this is easy, but I do think we can all find a way to prioritize our lives and say, hey, these are what's really important. Everything else is gravy. And for me, it's my health. It's our health, my wife's and mine. Um, our relationship, number, those are the top two, everything else is next, and then probably my job, which is the Benzo Free Podcast and growing that and keeping that to be effective and um, helpful to people, so I think that's where I'm at. <sighs> I'm going to have to sign off here for a second. But I will come back because if I talk too <coughs> too long, uh, too long, I start to um, get dry throat and cough, and plus I start to just kind of lose my breath, and I don't have a lot of oxygen going in right now. But I'll come back on, and we'll talk a little bit about the antibiotics and the concerns, because I know some of you are thinking about that, and and other things related to this, and how benzos come into play, because. When we get stressed, when we get sick, when we get worn down, our symptoms like to take advantage of that. I think we've all been here. I'll be back in a bit. Thanks. Good morning. It is Monday, June 13th, and I think I spoke with you yesterday, maybe yesterday morning or the day before. I lose track. I am not sure uh, what day it is or where I'm at half the time. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Still haven't gotten much sleep in the last several days. Um, just coughing nonstop. My ribs are starting to hurt and feel like I pulled a rib muscle last night, and so every cough is another joy. Plus, I had rib muscle um, issues when I went through my benzo withdrawal. Um, when I went through the earlier stages, I had a lot of locked up muscles and pulled, actually, my rib muscle. I had costochondritis um, in the rib cage, so I was having problems, and those old things come back up sometimes as symptoms resurge, and yes, symptoms... Symptoms have already been surging even before um, this thing, but um, of course, since I've been sick, they take advantage of that. I think we all know 
they can take advantage of things like that. Um, as far as the antibiotic goes, I wanted to come back to that. I did take an antibiotic, um, amoxicillin. I think I'm on day three of it now. It's a seven-day course. Um, trust me on this, I did not take this lightly. I understand the ramific possible ramifications, the side effects, especially for those of us with bind um, or benzo withdrawal who have been going through this for some time. But um, I got to the point after three and a half weeks of this that I needed to do something um, to keep it from becoming pneumonia or something like that. And, um, and at that stage, I decided to to make that decision. We all have to make hard decisions during this time, during benzo withdrawal, during bind, of what's the right time. I mean, antibiotics is one of those decisions all most of us have had to make at some point. I, of course, um, many of you know, took a fluoroquinolone. I took a cipro, um, ciproflaxin um, antibiotic during my taper. I didn't think enough to double check the Ashton manual about that before I took it. Um, later found out that that's like the worst antibiotic you can take. Um, it has high, um, it has a high, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, high possibility of side effects with neuropathy, which means like permanent nerve damage, which is like the last thing you need in bind. Did that make my protracted withdrawal worse? Most likely. Um, and may have made it, maybe may have may have made it part of it permanent. I don't know, um, but if I can be a warning to others, then um, it's probably worth it. Um, but anyway, so again, make sure you know what you're taking. If you're prescribed a fluoroquinolone or quinolone antibiotic, please go back to your doctor and see if you can get prescribed something different if you need to take an antibiotic. Um, and again. I, you know, I try to limit when I take antibiotics and only take them if I absolutely need to. I do understand that antibiotics don't work against viruses, so please, you don't need to tell me that. I do understand that, but occasionally viruses like the flu virus, which this may be, or some kind of rhinovirus or other respiratory viruses, we don't really know, um, they can progress into bacterial infections. And I've had that happen in the past for me, like with... Um, sinusitis, um, sinus infections, and eventually into pneumonia. So um, I'm trying to reverse that trend, but I do understand that antibiotics don't do anything for viral infections, but unfortunately viral infections can lead to bacterial infections, and that's where I believe um, I am at. And so I'm trying to fight against that, of making it any worse. Anyway, I do want to mention that the mood... Um, with all this, I know I sound different, and I'm really not trying to make this a depressing episode of the podcast. That's the last thing I want to do, but, and I, and I will try to liven it up at times if I can, but it's also, I think, important with this podcast for me to not always be upbeat and and be real of where I'm at and where you're at, and that connection, again, we talk about so much about, you know, this thing sucks really bad a lot of times. And I want to make sure that I can relate to you all and vice versa because of what we're going through. Anyway, all this ties back to mood. 
and I, I, it's, it's something like this doesn't hit without it affecting your mood. And I've been depressed lately, I will admit, and that's probably why um, I sound like I do. Now, part of I sound like I do just because this is my voice now, and has been for a few weeks. But also, I just... I've gotten down on a lot of things, and I think with the loss of my folks, with just the work I do and everything else, a lot of great progress this year, and I'm not trying to belittle it, but I'm still not sure what the next chapter is. I'm still not sure where I go from here. I have ideas, but I'm not sure. But mostly I'm just really tired of feeling like this. Uh, I got so many exciting ideas that I want to embrace in the next several months with the podcast and with our channel. And I'm still hoping to do most of those. But I'm going to drop a couple of them off. The, the ones that aren't as important, the ones that can be in the background. Um, and just try to focus on the things that I can do. And and pace myself and remember to enjoy life remember to have time off honestly in the last two years I think I've had not including this vacation which was not a vacation because we were sick most of the time but four to five weekends maybe three to four weekends where I didn't work at all in the last two years and that just kind of accumulates over time. So just a good reminder for everybody to take care of yourself. Hello there. It is Tuesday morning, June 14th. Uh, my voice is I'm losing my voice a bit. Um, so I don't know how much I can talk with coughing too much, but this has been fun. <laughs> Trying to analyze it from every angle you can to figure out what's going on. You go to the store three days ago, buy four boxes of Kleenex. And this morning I'm using toilet paper for the drainage that I cough up because I am now out of Kleenex again. <laughs> My wife has had, now had this for about a month. I've had it for three, over three weeks. Um, we don't know. I've been reading like crazy trying to find, you know, you want to find that one article out there that just tells you exactly what you have and what it is and here's what you got to do to get over it but I can't find that one um, all I'm finding are articles about viruses are acting strange now and most of it's the most of the articles say it's due to our isolation which makes sense we isolated ourselves for a couple of years because of COVID 
And unfortunately, during that time, we weren't exposed to cold viruses, flu viruses, um, all these other upper respiratory viruses that we normally are all the time and normally keep our immunity going towards them. And when we get that that taken away, that exposure taken away, different things happen. Our bodies forget how to fight off certain certain viruses and diseases. But, um, but that doesn't help you much when you feel like crap. <coughs> I will admit that when I started taking the antibiotic, um, I had some fear. And this is one of the things I thought from the benzo standpoint might be related to some of you, which can a connection point for us. But I don't know. I think overwhelm, we all know, is a very common feeling, um, a very common obsessive thinking pattern that we run into with, with bind and a lot of thinking patterns, the fear, the looping fear thoughts. There's a lot of different patterns we've seen, and one of them for me it's also been the, the fear of commitment might be a word of, it's not what you're thinking of, but the fear of committing or being locked in, of taking a path with no return. I don't know how else, there's probably a psychological term for that, I'm not sure what it is, but what I'm talking about here is the antibiotics are a perfect example. With antibiotics, you need to take it for the full course. Like this one is a seven-day course of amoxicillin. So once you start, you can't stop. And I have a fear of, of doing things that you can't backtrack and, you know, change in case it's a bad on my symptoms or it causes a really strong adverse reaction or, or even I freak out and can't do it anymore, which I, you know... I can't let it stop me from living and doing things, but it is a constant fear I'm dealing with and trying to manage and overcome when I can. With the antibiotic, once you take that first one, now I'm locked in. And there's a lot of anxiety um, and fear that came with taking that first pill. It's like, okay, I don't want to, but do I want to or... And then you take it, and it's like, oh, God, did I do the right thing? Um, is this going to really mess me up? Is this going to make it worse? I, I don't know. Is it going to make my symptoms so extreme that it's just going to hold another layer to all this? And I don't know. I'm reluctant to get into situations where I'm trapped. Where once you sign on, you're there. Um... I've been driving around, taking some driving trips here or there, and that's part of my exposure therapy, making sure I get out in the world. And But it's a controlled way for me to do exposure therapy because I'm in a car and I can mostly stop when I need to and and can kind of control to some degree what I'm doing. But I haven't flown in an airplane in... I don't know, five or six years, maybe. And that may not be that odd, because many people haven't flown through COVID, so... But I kind of stopped flying before that. My last flight experience was 
difficult due to my symptoms. And it's not that I'm totally petrified of flying, but I've been avoiding it if I don't need to. And a lot of that is that sense of trapped, that commitment. You know, where there's, where there's no way out. And once that door closes on a plane, I'm in that bubble locked in. You know, some of this happened, and I wanted to relate this to you. On this vacation that I took, that was, well, sure wasn't a vacation, but we started to feel a little better for a while. That's why we're wondering if we've gotten two separate viruses. In fact, some of the articles I've read lately have talked about um, children being admitted to the hospital with two, even three different viruses at the same time. So I do wonder if it does feel like this is one virus on top of another. The second one is different than the first one. We're behaving with it differently. So, But we were starting to feel a little better. We were going out and doing a few things, and we finally got to go to the wedding up in Wisconsin, which was part of this trip. It was a family wedding for my cousin's son. And I was a little nervous about sitting in the wedding because I I have nerves when I get again in a trapped place. It's a commitment. Once you're there, if my bladder, which does sometimes, or my stomach, either one, kicks into gear, then you got to excuse yourself. So I wanted to tell my cousin, um, the mother of the groom, that, hey, we might. she wanted us to sit in the third row. Of it. And I, I wanted to be there to support her, but I kind of wanted to sit in the back. And I told her that I that I might, but you know what? It's only a 20-minute service, so so we went ahead and sat in the third row. You know, with my with my urinary issues and other stuff, it's all stress-related. I can sit through a two-hour meeting sometimes and never go to the bathroom if I'm not stressed. But if I'm thinking about it, if anxiety kicks in high... I can't go 30 minutes sometimes. So that's the difference there. And I think the same is going for symptoms of this virus that we have. The minister was talking a little bit as they were both kind of listening and some nice stories. And I had to cough. I'm in the third row of a very quiet venue. And so I, I coughed and tried to do it quickly and had some Kleenex in my Sue pocket, so I did that and hoping it didn't wasn't too disturbing. And then I had to cough again. And again. And I couldn't clear my throat. And no matter what, I was moving into an all out coughing attack. Which led to more anxiety, which led to more coughing, which led to more embarrassment and stress I'm starting to sweat I can't hear anything that anybody's saying thankfully some of the little things the minister were saying were funny and I tried to time some of my coughs right in the middle of the laughter and occasionally I could do that but I was doing the best I could to try to get around it. Now, I'm sure others might not have noticed it as much as I did, but I felt like I just ruined the first part of the service. And being in the third row by the middle aisle, getting up and leaving just wasn't the best thing. So I was 
trapped. And I was freaking out. And I started to have a mild panic attack. I was just, I just wanted to get up and run out of there so fast. Nothing sounded better to me than just getting the hell out of there. I finally tried some breathing. Although, of course, breathing exercises are great when you have a cough, let me tell you. Not easy to do. But I tried shallow breathing because that was less likely to kick off my cough. I had taken a cough drop. I had this in my pocket, thankfully, and it was doing nothing initially. But finally, I think it started to coat a little bit. And and finally it subsided and finally I did write it out and was able to stay for the rest of the ceremony but I was just all out panicked just because I had a cough during a church service I feel embarrassed I feel stupid but it shows that I still get these things I still have these things sometimes And they're hard. And so I'm still, I think the only way to get through them is still pushing ourselves when we can. Exposure therapy. I'm still glad I went to the wedding. I think I could have been more strong about talking to my cousin in advance and say, look, I'm just going to sit in the back. Um, And that might have been nice. (coughs) And probably the best answer for this, but... Still, I tried something new, and I pushed myself through, and I got through it, and that's good. And the rest of the reception and evening went great, and we had a good time and everything. But it was frightening. It was scary. It was embarrassing. It was all those things. It was a setback, and I've been having setbacks lately. I've been sick, and I've been stressed to the max and everything, and all that leads up to setbacks, and I know that, but still, it doesn't always make them that much easier to accept, but I thought I'd talk about it a little bit today. Thanks. Hey, how are you doing? It is Monday, June 20th, so it's been several days since I last recorded. About a week, maybe? I don't know. Something like that. (coughs) Sorry. I wish I could say things have gotten a lot better. They really haven't. This is a nasty one. Still not sure what we have. We don't know if it's COVID. We don't know if it's an upper respiratory virus. We don't know if it's the flu. We don't know if it's a combination of those, which might be the more likely solution the way it's hit us but it's been over a month now and both my wife and I are still struggling Um, we have some energy during the day which is good and starting to get some work done but then we get tired we um, the main thing is the cough deep bronchial cough for both of us some drainage and um, the biggest hardest part is not being able to sleep still haven't had a really good night's sleep in a couple weeks now and that's that puts a makes it hard for you to heal and hard to get past things. I think we're going to get through this. I know we will, but right now it's been tough. My wife had a rough night a couple nights ago in the middle of the night, and I was up with her for a while. And um, 
I've had a couple rough nights lately, so it's it's getting to the point where we're wondering. Um, we're still at this apartment in Kansas City that we finally move out of this coming weekend, but we almost just drove home last yesterday and thought, well, we'll deal with that later. And the problem is, is that you know our lease is up the end of this this coming Sunday in you know, about a week, and we got to get our stuff out of here, so. We're still, you know, we have that plan to happen Friday and Saturday this week, but um, as we were getting sicker and thinking that we were heading to the hospital, we just wanted to be home. I think most people can relate to that. We wanted to be back in Colorado, back in our house, back by our fam- back by Shanna's family. I have a couple family members here, but we have much more support back there. But we just need to write it out. I'm sure our situation isn't nearly as bad as many people's. I keep trying to remind ourselves that while we're laying around sick most of the days and trying to work and then go lay down again and trying to work and lay down, we're doing so in an air-conditioned apartment, semi-air-conditioned. Our AC here doesn't work great, so we still hit about 78 or 80 degrees during the day sometimes but it does cool down a little bit at night the our ac units here at this apartment aren't great but but still i know we have it so much better than so many people and i don't want to seem ungrateful whatever this virus is we're fighting um and you know it's possibly covid we don't know we've tested negative together we've tested six different times and never had a positive test so we just don't know It doesn't seem like COVID in some ways, in other ways it seems like it, but again, we don't know. But I know with so many of you, this is what I'm going through right now with this sickness, with this virus. Um, it's still nothing compared to some of the acute phases of, of bind. And some of you are in that right now. And so I last thing I want you to think is that I'm complaining to you about how hard my life is right now when many of you, your lives are much more difficult right now. And I get that. And some of you also had to deal with COVID along with sometimes extreme um, early, you know, extreme acute withdrawal, acute bind, and all the other things that are going on. And I get that. Um, I just want to share what's going on with me because some of you go through similar things and I think that's what connects us and that's why I do this. But I do understand that many of you have it much harder right now than we do. And I am very sorry for that and I wish I wish to hell that wasn't the case. I, I just want to get home and I think many of you can relate to that. Well, I'm going to sign off now and... Um, I got to get to work. I got to do some work for the next research paper this morning and answer a few more emails. I am catching up on my emails finally. I got way behind on those with all of you. And trying to get as much work done as I can during the day than I can from here before I have to lay down again and take a break. But we are regaining our strength slowly, and I think we're, we're, we're kind of getting back. But we just had to take some time off to try to take better care and... You know, that's one of the key things, and I think I said that in an email I just sent out last week or, yeah, I think a week ago to our mailing list, to our subscription, um, our email list, and that was about what we're going through and apologizing for delays and also just saying 
reminding people to take care of themselves. Self-care is something I put off a lot, and I have put off significantly these last couple years. We're not built for that. We're not built for that, and I think we all need breaks. We all need downtime. Mentally and physically, we have to listen to our bodies, take care of ourselves, and pull ourselves away. I think for both my wife and I, we pushed ourselves way too far. And this illness, whatever it is, when it saw that, it took advantage of it. Our immune systems were down, and it just jumped in. And, you know, basically said, you are going to stop. You are going to rest to recover. You're not going to have a choice, and that's what happened. So thankfully, we are taking time to rest and recover and try to improve our overall health. But I think it makes sense that we focus on our health while we're in benzo withdrawal and in bind because we kind of have to. The symptoms are going to freak out on us if we don't take care of ourselves. So we get in that pattern, as I did too where we're watching what we eat, we're getting some exercise, we're so scared about setting off a wave of symptoms that we're making our current symptoms worse, that we're finding every little thing to ease them. And that's good. And, and we have this focus. But when you start to feel better, as I did, and many of us do, as, as the symptoms ease, maybe not go away completely right away, but as they ease, you start to live again, and you start to get back into old habits. That's exactly what I did. I got back into old habits. I did not take care of myself. I did not do things. I put on some extra weight, um, put on about 30 pounds during that time, taking care of my folks and stuff, driving back to Kansas City. I didn't eat right. I gained a lot of weight. I was not taking care of my health, and I paid the price for it. So hopefully I'm a, I'm a warning to other people that once you start feeling a little better with bind and everything else, and once you start getting back out there, that's great. But don't forget the tools and the lifestyle changes you made to get you through it. Those are great lifestyle changes to continue. I'm learning that. I'm learning it the hard way by making lots of mistakes. I'm sure you are all too. We all make mistakes. But I'm just trying to regroup I take better care of myself. Going to several doctor's appointments after we get back is one of the key things. Hopefully get some surgery on my foot so I can go back to doing more exercising. Hopefully getting more tests that I've been putting off for years. Um, I haven't had a full physical in a long time. Just so many things to get my body checked out, get more exercise, lose more weight, and take care of this machine that keeps me going. And I just want to remind people, be careful of that. As you start feeling better and you start going back to old habits, remember that you know, these are new tools and they're very helpful, whether they're for your mental state. Um, like I let go of my meditation and yoga. I need to get back to some of that stuff. Or it's for your physical state, like gaining weight and not going to the doctor and not doing any self-care. It's much easier to try to maintain those than it is to let them go and pace them and pay the consequences. I think that's all I got this morning. I need to get to work and try to get some work done and um, do my best to get through that today. So we're still here in KC. Be here another five days or so before we pack up the truck 
and try to head back to Colorado. I'll touch base with you all soon. Thanks. Hello there again. This is me, D, as if you didn't know, <laughs> and we're back home. We are back home again, and it's really good to be back home. You know, I don't think, I think most of us don't realize, haven't really experienced the joy of coming home until you've been gone for a while and been sick most of that time because you really want to be home when you're not feeling well. It's a not feeling getting back here again because this is the closing of a chapter for me. We finally loaded up the truck out of Kansas City, packed up the apartment, hauled it all back here, threw it in our garage here in, in Denver, returned the truck, and that's the closing out of that chapter of Kansas City where I was caring for my parents and all those trips, what, 16, 18 over the time, back and forth, and their passing and everything else. Um, I don't know what I'll feel. Don't know. I mean, I'm feeling different things along the way, but I don't know how it will come out. But even though I have work to do and stuff to do here, I do think that I'm starting to feel it more because I think I am allowing myself to move on, experience it somewhat, and hopefully get past it. Um, it's been... It's been a long chapter, almost two years, year and a half, two years of my life of caring for my parents, both with dementia, both one with rapid onset, one that's been suffering for seven years. And, and in a one-year period, we lost my dog, um, our cousin, my wife's cousin, who is the one that introduced us. He died of COVID. Then I lost my mom. And then I lost my dad. Um, and then we got sick for a month <laughs> during what was supposed to be our vacation. And after all that, I am back home. So this past 12 months has been hard, um, to say the least. But it's also, there's also, as I always try to focus on on this podcast, there's always good in everything. And much like um, how I may have shared with you during the caring for my parents, how I was surprised how I was able to still function even with um, bind with protracted um, symptoms, I was still able to function and do that. And I'm still able to function. I was able to get through such a difficult year um, by most measures. I would say this past year, this past two years, have been difficult by most measures. Not the hardest anybody's experienced, of course not. But it's been hard. It's been difficult. And I got through it. Even with the limitations, even with the symptoms, even with waves kicking up and setbacks with my symptoms, it had to be done and I got through it. And that's a positive thing. And that's something we often don't focus on. That's one thing I want to remind us to focus on is that Whenever we have a wave, and I know I do this a lot, we focus on the negative aspect of it. That here's those symptoms again. God, I wish I was better. I thought I was past this. How can this happen again? And I, I don't think that makes it better. I think that actually 
increases the severity of those waves, of those setbacks. And I do it too. I've done that plenty of times. But also, it's, it's, I think it's better to look at the symptoms, which I still have mine going on right now because this has been, I've been sick for a month, so, you know, that, that doesn't take much more than that, um, along with a little bit of stress and, and the wave kicks in. And yeah, I can focus on the fact that I'm almost eight years out and still have symptoms after this, this experience. But instead I choose to focus on how well I made it through all of this. Hell, without benzo withdrawal, this is a hell of a lot for people to go through. This is a hell of a lot for anybody to go through. And I did it with benzo symptoms and with other things going on in my life. And I'm not saying this about me to say that, hey, wow, look at me, I did this, because that's not what I'm focused on on this podcast. And I hope by now you understand that. What I'm saying is, it's amazing what we can do, what we can accomplish, even with ongoing symptoms, even with ongoing limitations, even with a different life now than maybe we had hoped we had gotten back to at this point. And we can spend all our time focused on how horrible this is and how terrible it is that it's still going on and venting to everybody who will listen. And, and we all need to vent, and I get that. But at some point, we need to find that acceptance. We need to move on, and we need to say, hey, this is just what I have to deal with for now. I'm hoping it will improve over time, and it probably will. But right now, I want to make the most of it. I want to live with my limitations. And that's okay. I'm not fighting against them. They're part of me. That's fighting against myself. Instead, I'm accepting them. I'm embracing them, making them part of me. Yeah, they still irritate me and sometimes piss me off. But in the long run, I'm saying they're just part of me now. And I'm going to work around them and I'm not going to let them hold me back from living any more. And that wraps up the recordings from the road. I hope today's episode was effective. I hope maybe you got a piece or two of information from it that might help you on your journey. Right now, please allow me about 20 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. Thank you again for tuning in today. Our next episode will be episode 102, and it will be released mid-month. I recorded two separate benzo chats on this road trip. And I'm really excited to be able to provide them to you. And I don't want to wait. So I'm going to release probably one or two more episodes of the podcast this month. I'm back home again and I'm trying to get a little more information out there for you also. Without, you know, stretching myself too thin <laughs> as I talked about. 
Anyway, if you want to be notified when there's a new episode of the podcast available, either tune into our YouTube channel and click on subscribe and notifications. Or, of course, you can also sign up for our email list at easinganxiety.com slash subscribe. I will always send out a notice there whenever a new episode of the podcast is available. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.